Okay, um, we're in Psalm 1, and I just wanted to know, I gave you a challenge last week. Does anybody remember what the challenge was? Has anybody, did anybody this week try to start to learn to memorize Psalm 1? Raise your hand. Right up, right up, right up high, right up high. Okay, we have, we have two, okay? So... What's the deal? What's the problem here? I don't see the problem. What's the problem? Okay, so I'm going to give it to you again. All right? Just encouraging with a little... Okay? Um, try, to learn, try to learn Psalm 1. It's really not a hard psalm to learn. And uh, so if you... If you if you know it, you can go along with me. I'm going to try to recite it. I didn't actually spend a whole lot of time brushing up. I didn't, I didn't do really well last week, but I'm going to try again this week. So if you know it, you can just don't, don't run me over, okay? okay. So, uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the godly shall not stand in the day of congregation of the righteous, nor sinners in the... Ah, Kevin, Kevin. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment day, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Not bad. Not bad. Okay, so some of you, you're not reading it, are you? So you actually, you actually did better. You actually did better than I thought you would. But do you know a good way? Here's a good way to try to memorize, okay, is... I realize we don't really write on three by five cards anymore, and maybe some of this is done. You could do this with your phone, but a nice way to do it is to put a verse on the mirror when you where you brush your teeth, where you you know where you do do uh, your your bathroom stuff, and so you're going to have you know some of you at least you'll have a minute or two, some of you have an hour or two. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you, some of you probably should take longer than you do. But anyway, that's a that's a nice, uh, you know, or, or or put it someplace, someplace where, and just start with a verse. Start with a start with the first verse, and then when you get that, then do the first and second verse. And it's actually it's actually not too hard to memorize this psalm. Yes. One verse, 
Memorizing does get a little harder as you, as you, as you, uh, whatever, whatever we do, whatever we do. Um, okay, so this is where we left off. So we have, we. We're just. This is. This is called. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're my best student. <laughs> I had. Well, I, I taught. I taught uh, college way back in the '80s, back in Denver, and my mother was took two of my classes, and I, I said right at the very beginning. The best student in this class is sitting right here. And I can guarantee you that she will get an A. No matter what else happens, she will get an A. And she actually was a very good student. It was, it was the, I think, the only college classes uh, she took. But anyway. Um, so th- we have the progression. And, and we, where this is all stuff that we did last week. And we talked about believing, behaving, and belonging. So I can give you another, another acrostic that actually goes along with that. And that, that is the, the first one would be um, an, an agnostic. It's, it's, it's somebody who, who's really d- d- doesn't, is not necessarily anti-God, but doesn't know anything about God. At least says he doesn't know about God. The second is, would be an atheist. Someone who's who's who is actively uh, promoting something other than God, and the third would be really is really an apostate. And so you have you have these these levels. This this verse is about treading downward into a into a ever increasing abyss that walks further and further away from God. And so blessed is the man who doesn't even get started in it, let alone the guy who ends up in the morass of everything that is, that is opposed to God. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how there are, there, there are examples of this, and we could spend a long time talking about examples of people who have actually walked away from the things that are of God and 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 uh, and what where they end up, but we're we'll not do that. Um, and so we have his pleasure. And so I think we are we are breaking new territory at this point. And I'm going to go through this uh, rather rather quickly. So we have we have an understanding of the law. The law is the Torah. And I think it's before we just say, well, we all know what the law is, there, there really are some potential meanings. So, for example, we could be talking about the Pentateuch. Um, we could talk about the legal content of the Pentateuch. So when we talk about law, especially when, we talk, when we're talking about law and grace, we're not just talking about law, the first five books of the Old Testament. We're really talking about the content of of what is, uh, what is the instructional nature of the law. I mean, there's a lot of things that are in the Pentateuch that are not specifically law. Um, you know, like the book of Genesis, 
um, other other parts of, of, of the law. So so that really the legal content. And then I think there's also a meaning of, of instruction in general. So I think when we when we look at this verse, um, his his delight is in the law of the Lord. It, it you know the, the the implications for us is not just that we are students of of the legal content of the Pentateuch, but there's an implication for us and really a direct application that we're talking about the entirety of the scripture. And so I think that there's, there's the, the, what, what might have been originally the original intent certainly has a greater implication and application for us, for us today. Um, and then we're talking about delighting. And so the delight has to do with a desire and a goal. Um, the, the Septuagint translates it as desire. And so what is it, what is it that brings, that br- brings pleasure? His, his delight, the, 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 the godly man's... What, what is it that fills the void in your life and gives you joy? You know, what is, what is it that, do, that does that? And... Um, for some of you, it you know it might be it could be it could be sports. You know, some of you are ecstatic that the Vikings won yesterday. Who are the Vikings? Some of you don't care. Um, some of you. So, it, it, uh, I have a son-in-law who is from Brazil, who uh, whose heart was ripped out of his chest. When Brazil lost in the World Cup, by the way, the World Cup was this morning. The final was this morning, and you, you, you didn't just say who won, did you? Spoiler alert! Oh, spoiler alert! No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I actually, I, I, I taped it. I. It's like it's like I watch three soccer games a year, and this is one of them. So, okay. Um, but some, for some of you, it, it might be it might be family. It might be you know it could be um, you know this time of year is a is a family family deal. Um, if everybody's healthy, I'm going to show up next Sunday with 20 family members. So you get to meet if you know if everybody's healthy, you'll meet all 12 of my grandkids. We'll see we'll see how that works out. Eleven to one, and there it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So, um, so, but, but here, his delight, your delight. It's not that all those other things you have to say. Well, I'm going to throw all those other things out. It's the delight that we have needs to be in understanding the, what the what the law of the word is. Lord is. Um, d- does the scripture satisfy? Does it? Is that is that what your desire is? That's that's a characteristic of someone who's who's walking with the Lord. Someone who's righteous is that their 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 passion and their satisfaction can be derived by engaging God through the scriptures. And so there's a there's a direct connection to this. Um, and, and verse two, the idea of meditating. Now, the, the, the idea of meditating—it's actually the the 
that didn't have the transitions on it. The, the, the Hebrew word actually is related to the idea of a murmur or, or a muttering. It's actually like the sound, the sound that comes actually from, from the low in the throat, like what a, like, um, like a cattle mooing is actually related, related to this concept. And, and the idea is, is actually, I think there's a picture here of understanding how, um, is it called, is it a ruminant? Is that what, it, what, it, what a cow is, where they have a four-part st- st- uh, stomach? And, okay, not to, not to gross you out, but if you, you know, this is, this is biology, they they ingest the food and then when when they when they have a, a quiet moment you know they'll sit down and they do what is called chewing their cud if you've heard that phrasing but they actually bring up from one of the parts of their stomach they'll actually bring it back up and and chew again that which they have already swallowed okay now you say you know that's Sounds pretty gross, but the idea is that they get all the nutrients, they get all the goodness, they get everything that's there. Well, that's I think I think that's part of the idea here of meditating, is is that you you bring up the things that you have already ingested, and and then you can chew on it. You could get more out of it as you as you reflect on it, and so I I think that actually. Before you can meditate on something, you actually have to memorize it. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a word for word, but if, if for example, if you want to, if you want to meditate on Psalm one, you really have to, you really have to memorize Psalm one in order to be able to regurgitate it, if you will, and and chew the cud. Not to, I'm not trying to be gross, but I think that's the, that's the what the word implies is that there's this that the, there is this process, and so in in the law he de, he meditates day and night, and so there is this. Now you now you have to you have to again think with me about the kind of society, the culture in which the scriptures were written. They were written in an oral culture. People didn't have access to the written word, not anything, not on any level like we do. And so, so if they wanted the word, they had to memorize it. We've already talked in the book of Psalms about how the, the book of Psalms is actually constructed in, in obvious ways to help people memorize it. Well, that's, the, that's I think, part of the, part of the understanding. And we we have become so so connected to the written word, which is wonderful. It's a, what a wonderful blessing it is that we have we, we we skip right by the idea of memorizing, and I think that that would really help us, especially when it comes to meditating. I don't think you can you can engage meditation without having the word ingested. Does that make sense? Yes. really a lot easier than we think it is because we do so much other memorizing of other 
we don't put a lot of effort in it. Yeah, I think I think I think that's fair. Yeah, and and it certainly would help. I think I mentioned this last last time, but it, it would certainly help if you were using one translation in what you're doing. The more the more translations you try to engage, the harder memorization I think can can become. So yeah, Gabriel. Okay. Um, so the righteous man will meditate on the law. So then his prosperity, he is like a tree which is planted firmly. So it's a like or as. So it's a, we're talking about a simile. Um, he's planted firmly. It is near the near water supply, which in the 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 near east is um, maybe it's an oasis or there's irrigation or this is a stream um, the hebrew it's a technical term for small channels or gullies used for irrigation uh, which is interesting it's related to the word uh, in genesis for the name peleg which is when the world was divided so you can you can look up the, the, the reference there, but um, it, it prob- probably uh, probably the intention here is uh, planted by the rivers of water is it, 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 it could imply a flowing stream, but the word tends to make us think that it's more like an irrigation area and a place that's intentionally watered, not just not just a free free flowing water. Um, and so there's water supply for the roots. I mean, you don't you don't get you don't get a plant without without the roots being supplied. Um, like a tree which is planted firmly, it is a fruit producing tree, and it has um, uh, at, at the right time, and there is a permanent foliage. So the idea here is maybe, uh, you know, the, its its leaf doesn't wither. Kind of an interesting image, uh, you know, maybe more of an evergreen than a deciduous tree. Um, you know, you look at the trees. I, I you, you can't sit necessarily see a tree in the room, but I mean, I'm looking out at trees, and you know, they look dead. You know, the, well, the the idea is that the this tree that is planted, which is the, the believer, you know, the believer is like a tree. That's so. There's a comparison. The believer is like a tree planted with a with a with a, uh, a regular water supply, which is perhaps 
provided by the by the gardener. You know, it's it's if it's an irrigation idea, it's a, it's an intentionally provi- intentionally provided. But then, but but then it's uh, it's you know to a leaf a leafy tree that doesn't fade. The leaves don't fade. It's not a, that's not normally what leaves do. Um, you know, leaves leaves even even in 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 warmer uh, climates, leaves typically fall off. And so this is a the the leaf doesn't fade. Leaf, it, it, it's a it's a constantly producing uh, a tree with a with a with a uh, permanent foliage, and then it is prospering forever. Um, and so it says in verse in verse three, whatever he does shall prosper. And so it um, it does not mean the believer will never suffer. You know, so what is prosperity? You know, what is what is um, you know in one sense what is what is success? Well, you know, if you if you're gonna if your measurement is from a human perspective, success, or are we talking about success from God's perspective? You know, was is Job being successful in the middle of the book of Job? It's too bad we couldn't have a series done on that. That would be a really nice, that'd be a really nice thing to do. So, I mean, Job isn't, isn't being a, a spiritual failure, even though by any any physical or man-made means you would think that he was, and that's the that's what the what the friends were, were were saying. You know, you got a problem. Well, did he have a problem? Well, he, you know, that isn't that isn't the, that isn't the case in in the book of Job. Um, I I uh, I give you a a quote here, Jeremiah seventeen. I don't know if that's is that in your notes. It is in your notes. Um, it, it, there's a very close similarity here to these these verses. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the water, that extends its root its roots by a stream, and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Kind of a very close parallel, and and probably. Um, there's there's a borrowing, there, you know. It's probably there's probably a, a borrowing between the two. Whether whether uh, you know, it's, it's it's possible Psalm one is written first, and jo- Jeremiah's um, has already memorized this passage, and perhaps is writing something similar similar to it. But there's a, there's probably a probably a fairly clear connection between the two passages. So then we have the way of the wicked man. And so in verse 4, um, his value is like chaff. And he, it, it, there is this process of separating the chaff from the grain. Now, actually, it's, it, I, I, I was talking with a seminary student from Liberia. I can't actually remember how the conversation came up. Um, oh, I think he used it. Actually, he he's in he's in homiletics, and I think he used it as an illustration. I think that's actually how how it came up. But so I had a conversation with him afterwards about about the illustration that he used in the sermon, and he actually has done this in Liberia. This is actually still being done 
in many places around the world. And so he talks about you you know you get up you get up to a higher higher level where there's more wind. You know, you don't go down where there's no wind. You get up where the, the wind is maximized, and they have a, it's like a threshing floor, and they actually beat the grain, and then they throw it up, and, and the grain is heavier. So the, beat, the beating separates the outside covering from the actual grain, and when you throw it up, the wind comes by and takes the light chaff and blows that away, and the grain is heavy enough that it just falls back down. And you do that repeatedly until you get this, this process of, of gathering what's valuable. That's the, that's the grain. Well, the ungodly are like the chaff that the wind drives away, that have no value, that is, you know, doesn't serve, it doesn't serve a purpose for, for anyone. And so Psalm, Psalm 35 Verse 5, let them be like chaff before the wind when the angel of the Lord uh, driving them on. Or Isaiah 29, verse 5, but the multitude of your enemies will become like fine dust or chaff, and the multitude of the ruthless ones like chaff, which the wind blows away, and it will happen instantly, suddenly. So, you know, it's... it's, it's, um, in the day and age in which the Bible is written, that's a very common way in which you you um, you would harvest as part of part of the harvesting process. Verse five: His His judgment, and so you have the separation from the righteous. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And so you're, you're going to have, uh, if, you, if you will, um, you know, two different lines. You know, get, you, you know, the wicked get in one line, and the righteous get in another line. And... There isn't, there isn't perhaps in this, in this passage a sense of different timing of judgment. We don't get that maybe until we get further into the, into the New Testament. Um, and uh, so, you know, can you identify what, what, are, what are some of the judgments that are in the Bible? End, end of time kind of judgment. What are some of the judgments that are coming? Okay, the great white throne, which is for who's going to be there? You know who's going to be there? Unsaved. Okay, so that's in 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 Revelation twenty. There is a there's a resurrection of of the wicked of all generations. This, and so they they are going to be resurrected and stand before uh, God and give an account. Um, interestingly, it says the book of life is opened, and then there's a book of works that are opened. Kind of interesting, and we won't take time to look at why that's true, but that's an interesting interesting discussion in itself. What's another judgment? Okay, the bema seat. Be a seat, which is who? Okay, is it believers of all generations of believers? 
Okay. Um, yeah. So it's. I think it's. I think it's more associated with with the church, with a, a church in a church context. Okay. Um, probably happens immediately after the rapture. We don't have the exact timing of that, but you do have. What you do have is in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, in a heavenly scene, which is post-rapture, pre-tribulation. So it's, a, it's kind of this little narrow gap, and they're trying to discover who is worthy to open up the, the, the scroll. And, you know, the, in Revelation 4 and 5, the Lamb, Christ is worthy to open up the scroll. But you have, you have the 24 elders who I think are representative of the, of the church. So it might be more than the church, but it's at least the church. So you have, so you have, the, you have, a, you have a judgment, what we sometimes understand as the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. We have the great white throne judgment, which is unbelievers. What other, what other judgments would there, would there be? Okay, so at, 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 there's going to be the, a judgment of sheep and goats at the end, at the end of, and, and there's, also, there's also connected that. There's a, in Revelation 13, there is a judgment for the, the tribulation martyrs. I think it's very specific in Revelation, Revelation 13. Okay, so you have you, you you have these you have these different these different judgments. But here here in verse verse five, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And so, God is going to separate those who in in eternity for an, on the basis of of what you have done on the earth, there will be an eternal judgment, and. God is going to separate out those who are ungodly. And, and it described as the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And so there is going to be this, uh, this, uh, this separation. And so the contrast in verse 1 is the righteous are not to stand with the wicked now, and the wicked will not stand with the righteous at the judgment. So there's actually a contrast here in, in verse 1 of how we are to choose, the, the righteous will not choose to be with those who they will not spend eternity with. I think there's an there's a, there's a intentional contrast here. And, uh, and so we do understand the judgment of the wicked, Revelation chapter 20, it's, which is the the great white throne judgment. And then his end. Verse 6. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The, way knows, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And so you have here now two different ways. So you have, you have the beginning of this psalm 
the first three verses talk about the characteristics of the godly. And then, really, verses 4 and 5 talk about the characteristics of the ungodly. Verse 6 is really a summary uh, of, of the two ways. And, and we have here that there's, there's different stands and different associations. Um, and, and there's actually different, different views of the, of the Torah. Um, so the, the, the Lord... Those who are righteous are going to deal with the law, if you will. They're going to, they're going to engage the law in one way, which is described in verses 1 through 3. And the wicked are not. They're not, they're not going to engage the law in that. And there is a, there is a different life result. Um, there is, a, there is a, 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 a different... It's not just eternity, but there is a different life that happens in, in, in this world. Uh, as they live their lives, there is a different pattern of life. There is a different thought process. There is a different accountability and responsibility that they have in, in, and, through, in and through life. And so then there's, there's different relationships to God. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Now, he's not just talking about eternity. Now, in verse, in verse 5, he's talking about eternity. But now the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Um, now, it, what, is it, it's, what is not said here, it's not that the Lord doesn't know the way of the ungodly. But the, but the idea of knowing the way of the righteous is knowing and caring and providing and, and, and loving the way of the, of the righteous. So the Lord knows the way of the righteous is, is part of understanding God's care for us in this lifetime and also, verse 5, also in the next life. So this, there's, there's different relationships with, with God. And so there is what, is what is called here a complex ellipsis of repetition. So let's just, you know, if, 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 what, I, what I give to you, I give this to you so you can see the brackets, okay? So the brackets are not in the text, but the brackets are implied by what's going on, not, not just in that verse, but also in the context of the psalm. So here's what's, here's what's you can legitimately add into the context of, of verse 6. The Lord knows the way of the righteous ones, and it shall not perish, that the way shall not perish. But then we, we don't have this, but it's implied, the Lord knows the way of the wicked ones, and it shall perish. Their way shall perish. And so you, you, it's, it's, it's legitimate to add the information, even though it's not, it's not there. It's 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 a poetical design device, um, somewhat for brevity, but also to get you thinking, get you thinking about what he's talking about. Yes, Kevin. Do you think that God's knowledge of the righteous goes beyond just observational or, or cognitive knowledge? Rather, it's a statement of his his delight. I take delight in the way of the righteous, or I take interest, like sort of like. Uh, that could be more than just 
Well, you know, the knowledge, the knowledge of God is it, it kind of, it's kind of an interesting question, but the, 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 God knows all things. God is not surprised by, by, by anything. And, and God even uses the wrong choices of, of the ungodly to accomplish his specific purposes. It's kind of one of the interesting I mean, there's a lot of examples of this in Scripture, but one, one, of the, one of the better ones is in Genesis chapter 50, where Joseph says to his brothers, who were acting wickedly, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So God could take wicked decisions and even using... Uh, wrong, wrong motivations, wrong actions, um, sinful, sinful desires. He takes all of those things and he uses the wickedness of man to accomplish his own goodness, his own, his own desires, his own will. And so there's a yes, the Lord, the Lord's, you know. Um, you know, I mean, just take just take for example the greater picture of what's happening in America. Now, I'm not saying we can, we, you know, we can have any kind of a certainty as to what's happening, but um, you know, America is on a path right now that is not a path of righteousness, and I mean, none of us know where that's going to end up, but. One thing we know, number one, is we know that God's in control. And we know that God can accomplish his will even out of the wickedness of men. I mean, there's a, you know, some basic principles of how you, how you think about things. And so, um, you know, is, is this a part of how God, you know, we, we look at prophecy and, you know, I mean, you probably heard, heard it said that, it doesn't appear that America is in the, the, a, a prophetic formula. Now, I don't know whether that's whether you can that's a hard, fast rule or not. But what 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 makes um, you know today today you really can't have a major political happening without the United States having their finger either on either side of it, maybe on both sides at the same time. If you if you if you follow American politics a little bit. God, God knows, you know, the way of the wicked. He knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the wicked. And what is God accomplishing? Well, you know, and I mean, in America, you know, who knows? Who knows what's happening? But you know, maybe it's a bad illustration. I kind of like it, but I don't know. Maybe it's a bad illustration. Uh, yes, Gabriel.
using the first part of the sentence, because God knows, to apply for both. Um, the way of and the way of is a continuation of the first part of the sentence. So um, we don't know, he doesn't specify the way of the righteous, but we do, you know, that's for God to know. But he does specify the way of the right, unrighteous is that is perish. We, this is something we know for certain that he communicated. God knows the way of the righteous. Um, that's well, a bit more ambiguous, but God knows what it is. But the, God also knows the way of the ungodly, and he has communicated that that is that. Okay. Yeah. So let me just let me give let me give a conclusion. Let me give kind of a, a, a summary here. And so I think there's a connection here to Matthew seven. Uh, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter it. So that's the way the way of the ungodly, for the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come into your sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. And so I think this is, um, whether, whether Christ is actually thinking about Psalm 1 when he, when he says these things, there certainly is, I think, a, a, a connectivity of understanding that um, when we talk about the way, we talk about the path. So understand this psalm serves as the introduction to the entirety of the book. And so we are, we are confronted right at the very outset of the, of the book of Psalms with the, with the idea that um, you're on a path. You're, you're on a path, and, and are, you on, are you on the right path? And, and so the path of the righteous is described in a very specific way in Psalm 1. And if you're not on that path, then you are by default on the other path, which Christ says in, in, in Matthew 7, which, by the way, is the easy path. The easy path is the broad path, is the broad gate, is the one that leads to destruction. And so that's the path that is, you know, if you want to take the path of least resistance, that's the, that's the broad path. And that's the path that you have to, you, you, you have to decide to choose, which of course we talk about coming to Christ by faith and, 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 and that process. But that's really what Psalm, Psalm 1 is talking about, is really, are, are you living, are you following, are you obeying God by faith? Are you doing, are you, does your life demonstrate what your what your faith needs to demonstrate. And, and I think that what, what Psalm 1 is doing is, is right at the very start, he says, you're, you know, you, you, there isn't a third road. You know, you're at, you, you, have the way, you have the way of the righteous and you have the way of the, of the ungodly. And you're on one path or the other. There's, no third, there's not a third option. You're on one path or another. And... 
Psalm 1 is, or so, the, the book of Psalms is written to engage us who are on the path of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. And so here's, the, here's a book that is, you know, and I, and I, w- I would say there are, there are parts of Psalms that are really hard to, 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 um, to, to figure out. Um, you know, is it, is it okay for me to be mad? Is it okay for me to, um, to want my enemies to fall into the ditch? You know, is that, is that, is that okay? How do, you, how, do I, how do we, and how do you process some of the things that are dispensationally different between what goes on in the Old Testament and some of the, some of the, the changes that we have uh, in, in uh, the, the idea of law versus grace? How does, how does some of that change? What does it look like? And so the, the book of Psalms, just kind of as a summary of understanding the book of Psalms, um, a, a lot of the book of Psalms is, is not hard to understand. You don't, it's, it, it's, right, it's right there in front of us. It's, it's emo, sometimes it's raw emotion. Sometimes it is it is uh, the the psalmist in 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 repentance. Sometimes it's the psalmist in in absolute praise and exaltation and and joy. But it's all it's all the it's all the emotions of how do you how do you live life when you're on this this way of the righteous when you're when you're when you're actually engaging life and it sometimes it looks like what you want it to and sometimes it doesn't you know that's really that's really what the book of psalms does for us um, just as a conclusion here um, we we experience god's blessing in d- direct proportion to his word and so there is a there is a to, to some degree there is a cause and effect, which which I think we feel more in the Old Testament than maybe in the New, but there is this this cause and effect. God knows the ways of both the righteous and the wicked and rewards them accordingly. So there is there is a there is an active interaction that God has with both parts. It's not just it's not just the, the righteous, but it's also the wicked, and then and then I think there's a there's a you know there's a presumption in Psalm one you're on one path of the or the other. There's a I think that's the, the it's presented to you which path are you on, and 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 I think the idea here for Psalm one is if you're on the wrong path, get on the right path. Make make a choice and decide to get on the right path. And so we under, we understand that that choice comes through faith. Um, you know, it's not just it's not faith is not just the doesn't start in John three sixteen. You know, faith doesn't start with Christ. Um, we you know. Uh, Genesis fifteen six. Abraham believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Um, and so there is 
you know, there is a, there is a faith expectation in the, in the Old Testament. And it's not just about sacrifices. It's not just about obeying the law. God, God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. It's repeated in the Old Testament. So it's not just about what you do in the law, but it's about you do these things because your heart is in the right place. Nathan's ready to go. He is packing up. That's all I've got. If you have any other questions, you can see Dr. Taylor. <laughs> he's leaving town, though. He's, uh, he's, on his, he's on his way out. So I'll let you go just a couple minutes early. How's that? Since you don't have any questions. <laughs>